1: LCSWC.
0: This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5 star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. This week's episode of Therapy Chat is sponsored by Trauma Therapist Network. Because trauma is real, healing is possible, and help is available. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. And what a whirlwind the past few weeks have been. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but if you don't and you want to, you can follow me at at Therapy Chat Pod. I've been posting there a lot lately about all of the amazing adventures I've been having, including my trip to Mexico, which I still haven't had a chance to tell you about, and I will, but I really want to give it time. I don't want to rush because it's it's so meaningful and it's so deep and it's so important and that's coming. But for now, I'm going to focus on telling you quickly about my time at Psychotherapy Networker last week. Oh my gosh. Psychotherapy Networker is really a unique situation. I mean, I don't know of any other place where, of course, for me, it's convenient because I live near DC. So to me, it's like, it's right in my backyard. It's been going on for years. And they have so many amazing speakers who are really, you know, a lot of them are the cutting edge people doing really exciting things in our field. And to see so many people in one place, and I didn't even attend the presentations. <laughs> My my exposure was so much even without doing that. And every time I've gone, I've attended a few of the talks, but more than anything, I'm networking. And not that the talks aren't great. And if you do go and you don't get to attend the talks, you can watch the recordings. But just the in-person connection, especially this year after you know so much time not interacting in person, it was amazing. So I'll just tell you quickly that on Thursday night, I was invited to join some people from the Academy of Therapy Wisdom, wonderful Brian and Ian, who run that organization, and they put on so many great trainings that you've heard me share about, including one hosted by this week's guest that starts next week. And don't worry, there's a link to sign up for it in the show notes. And after you hear our conversation, I'm sure you're going to want to sign up because it's really interesting. But I went to the dinner and I knew that this week's guest was going to be there. And I knew that another guest who I'm really, really excited to be interviewing, although we hadn't officially made a connection yet, but now we have, Akila Riley Richardson was going to be there. And I was really excited to have the opportunity to meet Akila. So I go, I show up at the restaurant, takes me a bit of time to find parking, and I ended up being late. I was probably like 30 minutes late, which is so awkward, but fortunately, the restaurant wasn't very full, and I walked in, and who's sitting there at the table with this group but Dr. Jamie Marich, recent guest who is the author of Dissociation Made Simple, and Jamie and I were like, oh, oh, (laughs) it was so cool. So, I got to see Jamie and I got to meet Jules in person after we had just done our interview only a few days prior. So that was really cool and Jules didn't know I was going to be there and I got to meet Akila who is what a beautiful soul, what a what a presence. Brian and Ian who were wonderful and Heather Garner who's in our local area well known as a sex therapist who whose name I've known for years, and we had never connected. So now we have made a face-to-face connection that we're going to follow up on. And Kier, who I remember, and Kier's friend, whose name I cannot remember, Libby, I think, were there, and Brent and Robin, and I think that's everyone who was at the table. There were 10 of us wow, we had Ethiopian food that was so delicious. Oh, it was just so wonderful. So that's just a tiny glimpse of what Psychotherapy Networker was like. So then I go back the next day and just to make this brief, I I ran into and got to chat with Janina Fisher, Lisa Ferentz, Adina Silvestri, Deb Dana, Mona Delahook, Courtney Jones, who's in my consult groups and a TTN member, Jeff Friedman, Sabrina Ndaye. I hope I pronounced her last name right. And I really, 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 really would love for her to come on to therapy chat. So I'm going to follow up with her about that. I saw but did not get to interact with Shauna Murray Brown, who is the powerful force behind decolonizing therapy for Black folks. Is there anybody else I'm not thinking of? Oh, Stacy Friedenthal who was a recent guest on Therapy Chat. I'm probably forgetting some other people. All these pictures are on Instagram, but it was just it was just wonderful and beautiful and so exciting and so stimulating to my nervous system that the next day I was like I was planning on going back but I just pretty much crashed. I had to I was like, "Whoa, I got to rest." So, another example of how you have to come back home to yourself. You can you can have all this excitement, but if it Stays, you know, at a really high level continuously, you got to have a chance to come back home to yourself. And I certainly needed that after all of that social engagement. It was a lot. So now I'm back and excited to share with you my interview with Jules Taylor Shore, who I ate Ethiopian food with that night. And we talked about something that anybody who works in the field of trauma, has probably heard of, but might not know exactly what it is or how it really relates to trauma work, implicit memory. And Jules, who is a self-professed neuroscience nerd, shares what memory reconsolidation is. So memory reconsolidation is a natural process that she explains very clearly and succinctly, that can be interrupted when trauma occurs. And she talks about how to, how to do it, how to get it back. And if you are a therapist who works with anybody, the tools that she's teaching in this webinar are applicable to you. So Jules is a big proponent of integrative approaches to therapy. She doesn't think that it's beneficial to have silos of people who You know, the only way is this, the only way is that, the only way is this, the only way is that. She believes that we can all use a variety of tools. And of course, the person in front of us is a unique being and there's no one size fits all approach. We always say that. But an integrative approach where you have a lot of different tools in your toolbox That makes sense. And that's what I do too. I, you know, you've heard me talk about all the different ways I practice. I have training in a whole bunch of different things, but I don't use any one model from beginning to end. That's just not how I practice. Why? Because I don't feel that fits. It just doesn't feel right. You know, what resonates for one person doesn't resonate for another. And I try to have my, my way of being with clients to be relationally attuned to them, and what they're bringing, and what they like, and what they don't, and, you know, what resonates for them. It might be visualization. It might be somatic work. It might be some other form of mindfulness. It could be nature-based. It could be expressive arts. It all depends. It could be movement. It could be relaxation techniques. It could be memory reconsolidation, depending on what you're doing. So she also talks about what a, why a relational approach is important in therapy and how how we do that, what it means. So I think that you are going to enjoy this conversation with Jules, my new friend. She does a lot of other things. She's a very, very cool person. And I hope that you will learn something. I think you will. I certainly did. And the webinar that she's talking about actually has already happened live on March 21st, but it was recorded. So If you do use the link to sign up for the webinar, you will get the recording, and then you'll be invited to access the training that she's offering, which starts next week, which will also be recorded. So my point is, whether you're listening to this in 2023, 2024, the link should still be good, and you should still be able to learn this important information, so That said, well, Trauma Therapist Network membership registration is closing soon. It's still open until the same, well, actually, yeah, March 28th, the same day as Jules's training starts. So if you are a therapist who's been wanting to join Trauma Therapist Network membership community, we would love for you to join us. You don't need any special certifications. Reference what I said before about an integrative approach. That's definitely how we approach the work in our community, but it's also a place for support. We do experiential self-care. It's a wonderful space. And if it's right for you, I'm sure you'll know. So I hope you will. There is a link to sign up in the show notes if you are interested. And if you miss the March 28th registration deadline, you can still sign up for the waiting list and I'll let you know next time it opens. So we've had a wonderful response this time. I think we've had about, say about 30 or so new people sign up so far. So the beautiful thing about Trauma Therapist Network is it's a community and it's also a directory. And I I really want a robust number of people in the directory. But the community itself doesn't have to be a huge number of people. So at some point I will probably start opening up for new members only when, you know, we've had a good number of people leaving and it's not as robust as it was. But for now, it's open. And it'll be opening at least one more time in 2023. So love for you to join us if this is something that you need in your life. We had our, our meeting today and it was wonderful as always. So I hope to see you there if that's something that you need. All right. Now, I'm not going to spend any more time talking about all that stuff. Let's just get right into my conversation with the wonderful Jules Taylor Shore. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so happy to be speaking with someone who multiple people have told me that I needed to interview on Therapy Chat, Jules Taylor-Shore. Jules, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm delighted to be here with you.
0: I'm so excited, too. I've really wanted to learn more about your work, and I've I'm aware of your upcoming training and you have a book that's going to be coming out. You also have your own podcast with my friend, Rebecca Wong. So let's start off before we get into our topic of memory reconsolidation with talking about you telling everyone a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Sure.
1: So I am... Let me locate myself. I'm in Austin, Texas, and I've been here for about 20 years, but I'm not from here. I moved a ton as a kid, so I'm a little bit of an American mutt that way. And I came to therapy. I I had a career as a director and a stage manager in a theater for a while. Mm. And then I had a career as an auto mechanic. And then I jumped into theater. (laughs) Not theater. This is is not theater. Then I jumped into therapy land. So therapy and theater are very close together, and I confuse them constantly. <laughs> the word and what you do. The word, the word, and what I do. Right. So, so therapy land is my third adventure career-wise, and I love it. It feels like I found home at last. I love, I love mm. what I do. Yeah.
0: And you're a you're an SCP, right? You're a somatic experiencing practitioner. That's right. So my first specialty,
1: is, well, I have two specialties and they coincide. So one is trauma recovery work. And I do a wide variety. I am a somatic experiencing practitioner. So for sure, I do work with shock traumas. People have been through, when I say shock trauma, I just mean people have been through hard events like physically, but I do just as much developmental trauma work. So when I talk about those and separate them, that's all I mean is did it happen to your body? Did it happen to your emotional, psychological life? Or did it happen to both? And I work with all three categories. And then my other specialty is couples therapy. So I do a lot of couple work. And for me, for the most part, well, I, I do a ton of intensive now. That's a ton and ton and ton, a ton, a ton of the work I do. Because I see people for about 20 hours with long form sessions really close together. Mm. And they come and do de- depth work with me. And about half of them are individuals and half of them are couples. And a bunch of my couples who come also have complex trauma histories, one or both partners. And so sometimes we're doing the trauma work and the couple work together. And even if we don't have a super complex trauma history, we're going to talk a ton about this today. We lean so heavy into our histories and how we learned to be in the world that having those skills is really helpful. So that's that's what I do there. And then I also have a husband and a kid and a dog. And I so I spend a ton of time parenting a nine year old mm-hmm. child and taking adventures, walking in the hill country with a pointer. She's a pointer rescue. She's mixed with something. We have no idea. We never tests test her. And yeah, I color shoes when I'm not doing therapy. What is, I love to color color designs do you do on that? with markers. I color designs on kids with markers for fun. <laughs> so that gives you like a window into like, how does Joel spend her time? Sometimes in the therapy room, sometimes reading, I'm a neuro nerd. I love neurobiology. I teach about neurobiology. Since about 2009, mm-hmm. I've been teaching interpersonal neurobiology application for therapy. So I, I'm big in teaching. I'm a neuro nerd, basically. I read a ton of research. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm probably playing with my kid or making dinner or watching the british baking
0: show while coloring shoes. <laughs> I love the british pottery show. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that one yet. I'm going to add it to my list. The great pottery throwdown.
1: Oh my gosh. You just you just made my day.
0: <laughs> As mine was made when it, I learned of it. So, yes. You're I will I will totally watch the pottery throwdown while coloring shoes later. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You you really just named Like a complete life where you have a, you have important relationships that you work to nurture and cultivate. You have a creative life that you work to nurture and cultivate. You spend time, you know, doing hobbies, things that make you feel good. And the neuroscience part and the learning and the intellect is so, such an important aspect of it. And then somatic parts, it's, yeah. Yeah. takes all of that for healing too. Oh gosh. And isn't it just... I'm
1: one of those people who sometimes when I talk, people will be like, "Oh, this is it! This is the code, or we're cracking it." I don't believe in silver bullet anything. Me neither, not for one second. And so it's like, oh, it takes all of this for a healing journey that's going to last the entire lifetime.
0: Exactly. Well, and it makes sense, doesn't yeah, it? If it's a growing you, journey, yeah, totally. It took- it's going to be lifelong, right? Yeah, and it's a- it's not an end; it's a it is a journey. There's not an end point, but that also healing can happen and, and trauma can resolve oh, for sure. For sure, yeah.
1: I'll tell you, my brain works really different now than it did when I was earlier in my life because of all of these this kind of work. I'm somatic experiencing, EMDR, internal family systems, sand tray work. I've, I've trained in all of these and do them in my work, but I
0: also have been a participant. Same here, except for me, instead of EMDR, it's brain spotting, but yep.
1: I love brain spotting too. I've trained in brain spotting as well. That one's really good. I love it.
0: <laughs> and instead yeah. of somatic experiencing for me, it's sensory motor psychotherapy, but again, it's just brilliant. different, different it's methods still... of accessing. Exactly. The body. Exactly. And I love yeah. Sand and all the metaphor and symbolism and. Mm. So you talked about being a couples therapist and it just, it sparked my imagination right away thinking about, I know for myself, I think like there was a turning point in my own healing journey in individual therapy where I was so certain that the problem was my husband and, you know, if he would just change that I would feel fine because I'm not the problem. And then there was actually a moment where I realized through the help of my therapist, it's a dynamic between us and it's not yeah. one or the other, but it's these dynamics that come from our past histories that, yes. you know, we are triggering each other and our, our trauma histories and our attachment wounds. And it's not him. It's not me. It's us. But I think that so often people go to therapy because they are with a partner They're in some kind of relationship that they find intolerable for some reason. And it's not always couples therapy, whether it's individual or couples. That's kind of what is the driver. But it's not really that. So can you talk about that? Yeah.
1: You see that? Yeah, I love this question. So I think we have to look at the implicit memory system and how it's cued inside of couple, any kind of relationship dynamic so there are two kinds of memory in general we categorize it science world loves categories (laughs) so we're just going to dive into the categories while we hold the both end of well categories with hard edges aren't really real yeah so hang with me while we delve into the category space just so we can understand it while we hold the both end of well and where's the edge exactly so In general, we split it into two different categories. One is explicit memory, and the other is implicit memory. Explicit memory is the kind of memory where you can actively try to recall a thing, and then some version of what's kind of close-ish comes back to you. So it could be a factual memory. Like, I remember that George Washington was the first president of the United States. I don't remember because it I was there, I remember because someone told me and I believed them, and I recalled them back, right? So that's explicit memory. Okay. Or if I say, okay, we went to Uchi Co. for my husband's birthday last year. That's autobiographical explicit memory. So sometimes it's the stuff you actually lived and trying to recall that. By the way, I could have been wrong. What if we didn't? Then we went to Uchi instead. Wait a second. Where were we? Right? So just because I recalled it doesn't mean it's actually factually accurate, <laughs>
0: That's true. Let's
1: all keep that in mind, right? But if I'm trying to remember it, okay, we went out to a restaurant somewhere, I remember the conversation kind of, that's autobiographical history. And that's explicit. Now the implicit memory system is super, super different. It is happening constantly, like literally every moment of every day. Like right now you are living out of your history all of the time, but you have no idea that that's true. So it could be something simple like, here. Yeah, I'll hold something up. So if I drop this, I'm holding up a little teeny tiny fake plant in my hand because I have a tchotchke on my on my dresser there. Okay. So I'm holding up this teeny tiny fake plant. Now, if I let it go, you don't have to think. Gravity is a thing. Gravity is real for your entire body to know not just that the plant is going to fall, but what happens when people drop things, but also like, do you have a responsibility to stop things from falling? <laughs> in this world (laughs) like what did you learn about stuff falling down not just that on this planet gravity is real but also every association you have with accidents or dropping things also just came up in your implicit memory system and especially since we're on zoom and you're far away you can't actually do something so if you were one of those folks who got taught you were supposed to save the world from all accidents. And then you couldn't because the screen thwarted you. That was probably a really difficult moment, <laughs> internally, right? So we'll have this like, that's your implicit memory system.
0: Mm-hmm. Your
1: implicit memory system helps you know how to walk or ride a bike, but it also helps you know the emotional meaning of movement. So if I gave you a high five or a fist bump, you know what that means. For you and your body. It's almost like your joints feel like they know it. That's part of your implicit memory system.
0: Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Right. I mean, the way you're explaining <laughs> it is just so clear. I've I've learned I've learned it, but the way you're explaining it is more expansive and more relatable mm-hmm. to me.
1: Yeah. Good and this is the thing. Okay, so this is the thing that's really important for us to understand is that. Your neocortex actually functions partially out of this landscape of implicit memory. So let me break that down. The neocortex is the wrinkly bit that's wrapped on the outside of the brain. So if I were to use Dan Siegel's hand model for anybody who's watching the video version of this, we'd say brainstem, subcortical system, limbic system you might have heard of would be one of those parts, but not the only one. And then the neocortex wraps around the top. So that neocortex we think of as like the conscious or thinking brain, which is only partially true, by the way. But let's not get into the weeds. Let's just hang out with, yep, it's the part that's slower. It's the part that can integrate a lot of information. It's a part that definitely can help us slow down and make decisions that fit with our morals or values or Or help us put a pause between what we feel and what we do so we don't yell at the kid when she's you've asked her 20 times to put on her shoes and she still hasn't done it, right? So if I can have that pause, it's probably coming from that front end. So that part of your brain that we think of as the thinking part of your brain, it has six layers of neurons in a column stacked on top of each other. Hmm. And it's one column after another next to each other over and over. And it's just six layers. And the bottom two layers get their feed, like which parts of our brain are talking to them from the here and now, from parts of your brain that know exactly what's happening right now in your belly, how hungry you are, whether you slept last night, how stressed you are in this moment, weird stuff like your blood and oxygen level, and also what's actually happening in real time in the environment. So like, if your cat Sam comes and joins us again, we would all have that experience, right, in this moment, and we go, "Oh, hi, Sam! Hello, Sam Head! Hello, Sam Cat Butt!" And we would we would say that would be part of that here and now. He's listening to me. He I said, "Oh, really? No, oh, really? <laughs> you want my cat butt back in?" Right. So so we would be that would all be part of our environment right this second. That's what the bottom two know. Okay. The top two get their information from your implicit memory system. Hmm. So everything you've ever known until now. Which parts of your implicit memory system talk to those two top two neurons? Well, whichever one your subconscious brain decided was relevant information, this second hmm. So the top two hold history. The bottom two hold here and now. They talk to the middle two, and that's actually what you're experiencing. Wow. And by the way, it's not 50-50,
0: History holds sway. So you're it's saying history more has history. more, more <laughs> p- like power in that. Yes, and that's super important
1: because if you didn't have this, you would have to relearn the world like an infant does every moment of every day. So if you did not have this function in your brain. You would rediscover grass like my daughter Stella did when she was six months old and she's rolling in the grass and smelling the grass and eating the grass. It has no name for grass. And she did nothing for 30 minutes but be with grass. That would be your life. We would not have made it as a species. Let's be very clear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're not the only ones who function this way. Many, many animals do. So we're not alone in this way of, of processing the world. How do you know how to make sense of the world? How can I look over there and see? Oh, there's a chair. That's a sitting thing. It's because my implicit memory system already knows what a chair is. I don't have to rediscover the chair. So this is a brilliant way your brain works. I want us all to be incredibly excited and grateful that this is the way the brain works. There's some hard news though about the fact that this. Is the way I knew your it was coming. Works. Yeah. So anything you learned about who you are or how relationships work or how the world functions that's a little bit hard and maybe even not wholly true, even though it was probably at one time true, that also is feeding in to this constant here and now experience. And so when you ask, oh, well, how does the history stuff and the couple stuff go together? Well, I know how relationships function based on everything I ever learned about relationships which is all laid on top of the foundation of my very first relationships. I'm about to tell everyone why your therapist keeps asking you about your mom and your dad and what your family was like. Is because I'd created a relationship category. And my first relationships, whatever those were, all of that information is in my implicit subconscious, which means you have no idea it's being cured. It's all part of that psychological floor you're walking on all the time. <laughs> mm. And so if I learned to expect people to only sometimes be here unless I managed them really well, you know, in relationship, oh, I could help somebody show up for me if I take care of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was like in your family. Now you go into a relationship are you're, you're with your wife and you look at her and you know exactly how to help her show up for you. You're going to care her. Because that's what you learned in your family of origin. And that's how it feels right to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So there's no moment in your life where you could be in a relationship and not have whatever learnings are down there in the implicit psychological form be feeding you information. There's, there's no way. And the closer you get to somebody, the closer they feel. To the intimate relationships that we got born with <laughs> right so right. whatever you will learn in those really early years that's going to be highly highly influential in your here and now processing of relationship which is why a lot of people these days are talking about attachment theory which i'm sure you've had other guests on your podcast talk about it, this is the this is how it's actually working in the brain part is you have relational knowings in your psychological floor that aren't worded. They're emotionally known. And then they're constantly feeding information up to your top brain about how to make sense of this moment. So I've been on a podcast before. Every other time I've ever been on a podcast whoop, is up in my mind. My mind is feeding me that information right this second so that we can be here with you. But also everything I've ever known about being with females, right? Because I happen to be talking to a woman mm-hmm. is also present with me and my brain's just helping me organize the world. What's what's really crazy about it? Well, let's let's slow down. What's happening for you is I like, just shared this piece. Like,
0: whoa, it's a lot to hold, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean it is as you because as you talk, I think about all my relationships and how I am and how I am in my relationships and you know, the 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 overlay of this the implicit memory, the way that, you know, I'm thinking about the ways that like I've discovered myself, like for one thing, in terms of like becoming more mindfully attuned to my own inner experience, I've found like my way of being my way of showing up into like a group setting is to expect to be kind of like not really wanted there. So if you realize that, then it means that you are expecting to be rejected before you begin relating to the person. So how do you show up if that's the way you expect to be received, right?
1: Exactly. And then you've built through the years all sorts of protective patterns, if you will, right, to make sure To help yourself because it feels true Mm, that I will not just that I have been, but that I will always be Mm -hmm. rejected in close relationships. So for some folks, maybe they don't get as close to people. Maybe some of the ways we protect is to pull back or not share very much or have difficulty being a little bit more vulnerable. Or for other folks, they might have that same knowing, right? I expect rejection. And what I do is manage whether or not you like me. And I'm I'm very careful about taking care of every feeling that you have and making sure they're positive towards me,
0: mm-hmm. which basically
1: means I forget me and don't say anything about what I
0: need ever. <laughs> right? Well, it wouldn't be safe to because I might of be course. rejected if I have a need. Right.
1: Right. And not even I might be the psychological floor knows I will be. Yeah. Just when. All just of what's ways. it going to take? It will when. happen. But just if when? it if it didn't happen this time, that yeah. was the fluke.
0: Yeah. Right. Or they just don't know me. And if they did, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think a
0: lot of people walk around that way because that's where we weren't seen or accepted wholly as we were, you know, in those moments. Then we have to shut down those parts that would be less desirable. Of course. That's exactly what we do.
1: And we disown them from ourselves and we hide them so that we don't end up peeling this thing again. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so so whether it's in couple therapy or in individual therapy, it doesn't matter. I promise you, every client who's walking into our office, part of the issue, maybe not the whole of the issue, sometimes reality really sucks. Though, oh, yeah. Right? Sometimes some people are facing some stuff that's really sucky in this moment, and it's not that much from history that it's sucky. And I can't think of a client who... Isn't helped by paying attention to the implicit floor because it's so much a part of every moment. And it's, some studies are even showing eighty percent, ninety percent of your current time experience, mm. if you're not paying attention to the here and now consciously, is actually from your history. It's actually your history feeding you information.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll just say, yeah, exactly. Like for myself right now, I have elderly parents who are both dealing with a lot of health challenges and the way I feel about it, it's real that it's painful to go through this, but it's also especially painful because of what it's touching that's from my history. So it's like it would be hard no matter what, but the way it's hard and what feels so awful about it is from those Uh unresolved places where there was, you know, a sense of powerlessness, helplessness, you know, fear, terror, horror, you know, disgust, whatever.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so as we're walking with our people through whatever they're bringing to us that's hard, one of the things I'm paying attention to is, oh... Not just what happened to you, but what learnings and what meanings and what emotional knowings did you take in and are now living on, walking on. I love to call it a psychological floor because it is as real feeling and as unthought of Mm -hmm. as the floor you walk on every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people have like a rug on their floor that could use updating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sometimes I even need to do some foundation repair. With folks. Yeah. Well, when that's what I thought form. of when you said floor, because it is a foundation that you're built from too. You yeah. know? Yeah. On a house, the floor is where you start, right? Or the basement is the foundation, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And whatever showing up in those relational dynamics, if you're in couple therapy or you're in a relationship that's hard and you're coming into individual therapy. Either way. Oh, one of the things you're really keying into is whatever your implicit floor knows about relationship and not just about relationship with other people, but also about relationship with self. And how did you learn to be in a relationship with yourself to make it through whatever you were facing?
0: So what you what you mentioned before was when you are in service to the relationship, abandoning yourself, there's a major impact on your relationship to self. yes. Because now it's not
1: safe for me to be in relationship with me. It's only safe for me to abandon me. Right. So it's like the thing that makes it less terrible is if I abandon myself. Well, of course, that's transforming your relationship with self forever. Right. Or if they used to think about forever. Can I drop in some craziness about memory consolidation? I'm ready. Okay. So let me let me just like define our terms. So memory consolidation is just a protein process in the brain. Neuroscientists... Saw oh there's this protein thing that happens, that makes it easier for that pattern to fire again. Okay, and so it turns it into long-term potentiation pattern or memory, and so they named this phenomenon that was naturally happening in the brain memory consolidation. And for a really long time, up until I think the first study was done in 1997 with crabs. And then since then, it's been done with many, many different species and also with humans. There was a, a whole series of science that started in 1997. A first human study wasn't until, I think, o three or 05, something like that. So up until then, they thought that once it's part of your implicit memory, it can never be changed. Ah. Once it's consolidated, it's consolidated forever neuroscientists have discovered a new phenomenon in the brain since the studies starting in 1997, and they named this new phenomenon memory reconsolidation. Oh, okay. And all it means is, oh my gosh, sometimes implicit knowings change. Wow. (laughs) That's all. That's really all it means. So memory reconsolidation is just a natural process that the brain goes through when it takes in old bold learning, unlocks that neurological pattern and then reforms in a brand new pattern, never to fire the old way again. I'm that's what
0: gonna... we're looking for. That's, that's the change we're, looking, we're looking, for. looking
1: for. Right. And then here's the next thing, Jules, if this is just a natural phenomenon of the brain, why doesn't it happen all the time? Well, because long-term pronunciation patterns are supposed to stay stuck so that you don't forget about gravity and start walking off the edges of buildings. It's actually kind of hard, and it takes three different phenomenon, three different principles happening at the exact same moment. And if those three things happen at the same moment, the brain can only reconsolidate. But most of the time, those three things do not happen at the same moment. Okay. And thank God, because you don't want to forget about gravity. By the way, there's a funny thing. Did you know astronauts actually do reconsolidate about gravity if they've been up on the space station long enough? No, they come back and they forget that gravity is a thing. Their their psychological floor relearned that gravity doesn't actually exist because they were up there long enough, and so they come back and they drop glasses and pens and stuff all the time because they let them go in the air, expecting that they'll just hang out. It takes a few weeks for them to go oh relearn, and they have to reconsolidate again and relearn gravity. So we don't want to forget about gravity because you drop stuff a lot, (laughs) right? So luckily, your brain has a way of really holding on to data it's decided is important. And how do we decide it's important? Emotional. Mm. So the more emotionally strong an experience is, the more the brain's going to code it as that one's important. Don't lose that. Okay. Now, by the time you're about 25, 26 and your brain's finished growing, your psychological floor mostly has its categories already figured out. And now new experiences, they just match close enough to an old experience. We file it back into, oh, here's more evidence that that thing is true. Yeah. And you just put it in the rug where it goes. So if this is a work rug or let's say I learned in school that I'm really good at learning. I'm good at taking tests. And then I do a job thing and I succeed. And it goes, yeah, I'm really good at learning this new project thing at work. Well, no kidding. I'm good at learning. Put that one into the old breath. Or let's say you learned exactly the opposite. You had really difficult school experiences and you learned that you're bad at learning. I'm putting that in quotes because That's probably not a thing. (laughs) You're probably amazing at learning, but you were taught really horribly. But let's say I learned and I just know it with every cell in me. I'm dumb. I'm bad at learning. I can't do that. And then I struggle to learn, I don't know, a new app on my phone. And I get really frustrated. Oh, and the emotion is big. My brain goes, oh, that's important. The emotion is big. Do we already know that? Oh, yeah, we already know. You're bad at learning stuff. Goes into the old category. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the hard news about being a trauma therapist is that I can't change what happened to you. And what happened is probably awful. The good news is that we can create a space between us wherein it's actually very likely that if whatever you learned from that experience is not wholly true, you could discover that and shift it inside your implicit memory system. And that's what memory reconsolidation neuroscience is showing us, is it's hard to do,
0: but it does happen. Yeah. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn, it's intuitive, the customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months, absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. If you've ever looked for a trauma therapist online, you know it can be really confusing and overwhelming to try to figure out if the person has the right combination of training and experience and specialization for you. That's why I created Trauma Therapist Network. Trauma Therapist Network is a website where you can search for trauma therapists, learn about trauma through reading articles and listening to podcast episodes, including this podcast and my other podcast, Trauma Chat. And it's also a supportive community for therapists. So Trauma Therapist Network has something for you, whether you are a person who is searching for a therapist or if you are a therapist, you will find support and help at Trauma Therapist Network. To learn more, go to traumatherapistnetwork.com. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like it's hard to do, but I think the hardest part of it probably is finding what's there in the implicit system, Mm -hmm. and Uh then once you find it and you can access it, then you have the opportunity to shift it. But shift it because it's It's... often nonverbal, so Uh it's not really in the person's awareness. They think, like Uh me, I thought it was my husband, right? And there were some things that he could change, but it was, it was things that i needed to work with for me to get the change that i was looking for exactly
1: and that's why i think it's so helpful for us to work with the body because the viscera so your heart and belly space wire through your right parietal lobe and right down into your limbic system and that lower brain that subcortical part of your brain is where the where this implicit memory stuff is happening So you change something in the limbic system, and you change something in the implicit floor, that psychological floor you're walking on all the time. How do I know what it is you know? I ask your heart, and I ask your belly, and I ask your diaphragm. I ask that middle part of your body. Or let's talk about the basal ganglia, which is also a part of your subcortical brain and knows emotional meaning of movement. And so if I'm tracking Mm. muscles or I'm tracking joints with a client, where who which part of their brain am I talking to? i'm I'm asking us to discover and really listen to, oh, what is your joint now? about what to expect in this world? I'm asking your basal ganglia, which is another huge part of your implicit memory, a huge part of your psychological floor. So I'm a big advocate for really embodying work with clients because you are it's way easier to find out, to discover what is in that subconscious memory system if we're not asking the wrong part of our brain so if I ask you why do you think you do that I'm asking the top left portion of your brain to answer and that part Mm. one doesn't know it's even listening to implicit memory and also doesn't know the words I don't know so it won't say oh gee I have no idea (laughs) it it tends to say oh well I'm gonna make a really cool sounding answer
0: it makes up an answer that that it thinks makes seems, it seems logical. logical
1: and it makes sense but it's not necessarily getting to that psychological floor mm-hmm. yeah yeah so how many different this- ways do we have to access what's actually happening down there
0: yeah Right. Yeah. I'm sure people who are listening can relate to this feeling of where you go to therapy and you're like, I know I shouldn't still be thinking this or I know it's not true. But what feels right right now is that I'm just a bad person right. and a failure. Right. You know, what it's like totally so there so that there's a disconnect between this cognitive thought and and their, what it feels like inside. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And can can we be in a space where we're really curious about which ones are more protective beliefs and which ones are the original emotional knowings? Once we get our hands on the original emotional knowing, do we know the three principles that we're going to be looking for to hold in the room? So there are three different principles that if they are happening simultaneously, the brain will reconsolidate. They are. All right. One, there's enough energy, information running through a network that has the knowing, whatever the knowing is you want to change, right? that, it, that it is up and alive in the body. So it has to be running electricity through there. So one thing, like brain, you said you were a brain spotting therapist. I love brain spotting. One of the things brain spotting is really good at is identifying a, a spot to look at that will help that network activate. And then helps track the body mm-hmm. to bring the energy even higher up. In, like, I just mean yeah. more active. Good, good, good. We want that. So that's part one. You have to have basically like a prediction about how the world works up and active inside. Part one. Part two, you have to have another neural network that knows something that is subjectively
0: mismatched. So,
1: not to me as the therapist, but to my client, to my person who's in front of me. They have to go, oh, wait a second. Those can't be possibly true at the same time. So you have to have a second network. that basically disconfirms the first network, but not from my perspective, from their perspective. So if you are doing memory reconsolidation work with me, and I'm actually referencing a piece that I did a little bit ago, probably two or three years ago now. I had this moment in my kitchen with my husband where he was talking about a pet peeve he had around how little eye contact I made in groups and how I was missing social cues. And it was like freaking him out because he wants everyone to be okay. He's like such a peacemaker. He just wants everybody to be like awesome and happy. So it was freaking him out because of his psychological floor, But I wasn't making eye contact because of mine. And so he's like, yes. right?
0: I'm like, wow, your husband's very. Yeah, tuned. totally. So he he's like, I, it's driving me
1: crazy. And I, I what came out of my mouth shocked me. I did not know I thought this. I said, I don't need any more evidence that I don't belong anywhere. I know. Right. Ooh. So I bring that into my therapist's office. I'm like, I got to do a reconsolidation with this thing. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's find out. And even holding that energy, by the way, one thing we have to do as therapists, is we have to relax and trust that the brain is going to relearn it only at the moment. That is right for that person to relearn it. Your job is to chill and create the space and trust them and trust their process. If you don't, that's the if you don't, your your lid's going to start flipping and you'll actually create the lack of safety. That's the third pillar. You'll, you'll lose the third the third part of this process if we have too much agenda. But anyway, I go into my therapist. I'm like, this thing happened. I don't even know I'm just going to belong anywhere. And so we're working with it. And then what came up for me was subjectively disconfirming. It's subjectively mismatched, but other people might not think so. They might think, mm-hmm. oh, well, look at all these places you belong, would be the answer for Jules. No, 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 no. What it was was Mary Oliver poem came to me. The wild geese are calling you. Their voice is harsh and exciting, asking you to take your place in the family of things. And when I held that, I went, oh, my gosh, nobody belongs or doesn't belong. We're all just here. Mm. And that, poof. That's beautiful. Ever since then, I can make eye contact in big groups. So the pattern of protection went away because I changed the thing at the bottom. So how do we do that? Well, three things were true. One, the network that knew I didn't belong anywhere was up and active. Two, another neural network that for some reason really keyed into a Mary Oliver poem was saying it over and over again in my brain right? And then three, my brain had enough safety while all that activation was going on Mm. that I did not lose my mismatch detectors. So the hippocampus and the right intralateral prefrontal cortex, don't worry about the words if you don't care. It's totally only for people who love, love, love the neuroscience. Those two parts of your brain, are scanning all the time for prediction errors so that they can update your implicit memory system if needed. But the thing about those parts of the brain is they're so calorically expensive, they take so much energy to function that they actually mm. down-regulate. They turn off at the beginning of threat. Mm, know, that's interesting. Right? Yeah. You know, the more threat we're in, the more we don't feel safe, the more our brain is going to go into speedy mode to handle the lack of safety. And speedy mode means active systems that take a lot of energy. Please turn down. Fast systems that just know what we already know about how to do. Please turn up, right? The more Mm -hmm. threat I'm under, the more I'm going to be led by my psychological floor, the more my lower brain parts are going to take over my brainstem and my basal ganglia and my cerebellum. They're going to run my show. Thank God. Because if it was actually dangerous, I should move back. And so these slower parts of your brain that take a lot of energy to run. And so the trick is we have to hold the original knowing embodied Two, discover an internal network, a neural network that knows something maybe that doesn't go that And three, be in enough safety that we didn't lose our mismatch detectors, even though we were that activated, which is where being with somebody comes in. It's actually really hard. It's possible. And it's harder For people to do reconsolidation on their own, because actually we are co-regulating beings and we add tons to our window of tolerance when we're with somebody who cares about us. So Mm -hmm. if my therapist is relaxed and has no agenda about where we're going, but knows these things may be true and just invites me to hold them while I'm in his warm presence, my therapist is indeed, right? I'm I'm leaning into him and going, oh, can you hold the space with me? And he goes, of course I can. And maybe you'll on something and maybe you won't. Let's find out, right? He's so chill. He just added regulation to my system, even though I'm highly active. So it's it's a mm. really important part, actually, to have a caring other there with us as this process happens. And then after the first time it happens, the network unlocks. And then every new learning after then, goes into the network, and when it reconsolidates, which that protein process happens to take about four or five hours, four or five hours later, it's going to reconsolidate into a brand new pattern, and it won't know the thing it knew before. Uh change.
0: And that's actual real change, real change in the
1: implicit memory system. That's what that's uh, that's why I'm doing this training. So I'm running a training in a few weeks. I think it starts on the 28th of March uh, online to help spread the word about this to therapists with like clinical tapes and examples of how to use it in therapy and all sorts, because I really want therapists to understand this is a phenomenon of the brain. It doesn't belong to any particular therapy. Some of our therapies are using it really well, like brain spotting, EMDR, somatic experiencing all use it really well. But if we understand these are the things we're looking for, you can even hone your toolkit that you already have better. But also you can do this in just regular talk therapy. You don't have to have a training that's three years long to be able to understand how to help your people spontaneously reconsolidate in the therapeutic way. So that's that's why I'm doing it because I'm just like, oh, how wide can we spread the word about this phenomenon of how our brains naturally are meant to update information because the world is always changing. So, of course, you need to update. It'd be crazy not to have a process where you can update. But of course, it's hard because you shouldn't forget about gravity. So once we understand, oh, you need these things and here's how to hold them in the room, then it becomes easier, much, much easier. To help our clients have this natural thing happen more frequently. And only when they're ready, right? I have such, I have such a a deep, deep trust for my people and their systems. You know, their brain's going to be ready the second it's ready. But it sure helps if I know what different elements would be handy to have in present when they are
0: ready. Right. And even like... How not having an agenda can help them feel more ready, more potentially, more quickly, you know, though there's no agenda for how long it takes. Exactly. But because that's trusting the process is, is like something's happening here. I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but I trust that I can handle it and that the person will be able to handle it and that I know that I will be able to help them if they can't handle it, you know, because I trust myself. Totally. Which, if we don't have a real relationship with ourselves, oh my gosh, right? As a and therapist, it, it's really hard for us to be able to trust totally. the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that reminds me of an old study back in twenty twelve. I don't know if you know it. It's called "Love Yourself as a Person, Doubt Yourself as a Therapist," and it was a meta analysis. Oh. It was a meta. Yeah. It was brilliant. <laughs> I it was awesome. That. I'll send it to you. It's so good. So it was a meta-analysis of diff- what is working, right? And what they came away with was it, it was largely dependent on how much the therapist liked and loved themselves while they were doing therapy. How much compassion did the therapist mm. have towards between them and them? And not believing they totally knew what was going on. So letting go of needing to know and monitor the process totally and needing to know exactly where the client was going next. So the more they kind of trusted the process and let themselves like kind of rested the doubt while being self-compassionate, the better the therapeutic outcomes.
0: Oh, wow. That makes sense. So basically, the more we try to control what's happening, the less growth is really possible. Right.
1: Because really what's happening is that when we're in that controlling space, our brain is actually in a little bit of a stress state. And now we're adding stress. Mm-hmm. Right. We're adding the stress into the with our people. But it's so hard. Can we like be with just how hard it is to like let go like yes?
0: That? Oh my goodness. I know. Like, oh. Especially when you're learning and you you are afraid of screwing it up. And you care
1: so much about the outcome. Of course you do because you care about your people. You don't
0: want to do any harm.
1: Yeah, you want to serve them well and you want to give them what they need and you don't want to hurt people. Of course, this is really, really hard to do. I just have so much love and compassion for all of the therapists out there, me included and all my people here in my office and all the people listening like, oh, your job is so hard. That's why I I want the neuroscience out there is because I'm like oh if this could make it a little bit easier and not a lot easier I can't make it a lot easier but if I could help you make it a little bit easier because man you do a hard job, gosh it's so hard mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm just sending love it to all the people is. who do this job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm just thinking about how, you know, there's been a lot of reasons for all of us to feel unsafe okay. for various, various identity characteristics and political things that have been going on. And right? it's real. You know? Right? Yeah. You're, yeah. That, yeah. that so, perception
1: of reality is accurate.
0: Right. And so even like to be able to orient to safety. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's often privileged, by the way. Right. Very much.
1: And 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 to orient to sometimes I think about it as less bad or is there a moment of relative, a moment of relative
0: safety? Because it is such a uh, privileged position to be able to have an environment safe for a lot of us. Right. It might be safe in that therapy relationship for that 45 to 50 minutes. But if you don't have safety to return to. When you leave. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And how much of that is coming from your implicit
1: memory system and how much of that is coming from reality now. And I don't know. I don't know. I have to ask my person who's in front of me. You know, I don't think it's for me to judge. But I but I know if it's from your implicit memory system, we can make some shifts if you want. That's the good news. It's a changeable system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even when if you don't have safety in your external environment, there can be ways to get it. And then that gives you then you're to the place where you're then able to begin finding that deeper relational and personal safety yes. within, you know, therapy and, and your healing journey. And between and,
1: you and you and then out in the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm basically just like roving the world, talking to whoever will listen to me about this. I'm like, guess what? It's 20 years on. Which is about right. that It's finally made it out here in public spaces. that <laughs> right. you can change your psychological floor all the way to foundation repair if you need to. Or if you just need to change out a rug, no problem. <laughs> you can do that because your brain actually already knows it evolved to live in a world that's in constant change. And so, of course, it evolved. to Be changeable. Be weird if it didn't, right?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's, meant yeah,
1: it's meant for this. Yeah, it's meant for this. And as soon as we know that and know how to hold that in therapeutic space,
0: we can help those brains who are coming into us shift more often. Well, it's beautiful that you're teaching this and that it's something I I like that idea that you don't have to get a whole new model
1: learned. I love models. I have lots of skills. I love them, love them. And also, you don't have to.
0: The app. I mean, again, that makes it more accessible, exactly. too, because three years of training can be very expensive and not to mention extremely kind time consuming, consuming. And
1: sometimes we don't have that space. We need to be able to help our people right. faster than that or with less right. expense than that. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'll be sharing about your training. Oh, and... thank you. <laughs>
1: I so appreciate it.
0: Well, I already am. Yeah. And I'll be continuing to well, <laughs> now I understand more about what the learnings are that will be shared there and about how you approach this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited that we got to talk and yeah, I, I know you do more than this. I know sure. you do a lot. I do a lot of different work. And but
1: this is one of the branches of work that I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So where can people find, if, is there one or maybe a couple of places where they can find, you know, the hub. Oh, sure. That all sure. Of, that is you? Yeah.
1: So if you go to <laughs> clear You'll find if I can ever get up on updating my website, that's where you're going to find me. For sure, sign up for the newsletter there, which is under the contact button, because that's I always am sending out newsletters to people when I have something new happening. And and you will find links to old trainings and stuff. And at whatever's current, I get it up there as soon as I manage to remember. <laughs> I am not the best marketer. I admit it. So cleariskind.com is great and then I have a ton of trainings through a place called Therapy Wisdom. Uh, it's Academy of Therapy yes. Wisdom and I think I think they may be called therapywisdom.com and I link from Clear is Kind to some of their stuff but you can always find a ton of my trainings on there and the new one is through through Therapy Wisdom. The memory reconsolidation one.
0: I will link to that and their website for your other stuff too and so I'll put both of those links in the show notes for sure and and then can I I would like to talk to you again but will you give just a little like teaser about what you're doing that's coming out your your next book what that's sure!
1: so it's out December 1st 2023 and it's a book that's called setting boundaries that stick. Yeah. And it's a boundaries book and it talks about the neuroscience of boundary work through the brainstem level, the subcortical level, the mentalization neural network, the how your front brain works with your lower brain in order to create more boundaries and how to use all of the skills that could come from understanding the brain at those levels to help you with boundaries between you and other people as well. So I think about boundaries on a lot of different levels. And this is a book all about how do you work with the way your biology works to support your boundary work. And I think a lot of what I see in general, this is like a larger, one of the things that sticks in my craw and what I see it out there is we're asking sometimes for us to work against how our brain works. So like against the natural energy and inflammation flow patterns. And so I'm trying to help folks work with their natural energy and information flow a little bit easier. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: I think that's so needed, too, because I think, again, I think when people are talking about boundaries, we talk about it in a very concrete way. And it's like, just say this, just tell them this or don't put up with that. And for me, there's been years and years of shame about not understanding why it was so hard for me to set boundaries. And I actually found... The answer came from my body. Of
1: course. And
0: once it did, I I was clear about what my boundaries right. were and where I stood, and even take any thinking. It yeah, just yeah, and came. how
1: even maybe to say it in a way that aligned with who you are instead my, of values. Exactly. Instead of instead of just copying how somebody else is telling you to set them, because right. often that's actually not the kind of boundary you want to set. So,
0: do we right. have
1: even any kind of guide or process where? will help us move into the body, that will help us understand what our brainstem is telling us or understand what our subcortical system is telling us about what boundaries feel right to us. And then how do we find language that really works within our own system, which can be as unique as a fingerprint. So it's not a book with a lot of advice. I don't actually give a lot of advice. I'm more like, look, here's how the brain works. Let's set up a practice that listens to it.
0: Well, isn't that really what would make the most sense? You know, that's it's, well, here's the thing. It's a little bit longer. <laughs> and we live in a society that wants a fast
1: answer. I don't have yeah. those. And I'm not the person for that either. either. But if we're in a space of really deep curiosity and finding our own unique as a fingerprint, psychological floor or ways that we want to protect ourselves or ways of creating more integrity or safety in our lives. I'm I love that. I'll do that all day long with you.
0: That's right and it's just not a simple it's a more of a felt It's more of an organic process. It's more of a natural, innate experience that's individual to each person, but it's not an individual, independent type experience either. It's a relational process. The truth
1: is we're interdependent beings, whether we like it or not. Yes. (laughs) Some of us don't, and I totally get that. But it's just the reality of our species is we're interdependent beings, and often what's really needed is some space where we can feel okay enough to be exactly as we are in relationship with somebody else for our mm-hmm. natural healing process to kick on and you do have one i promise you're you're like your skin was built to heal from a cut your brain is built to heal from emotional wounds it is but sometimes you need the right kind of holding environment or right. It's not even a good enough holding environment. Right. You know? Right. And it, and some of that involves other people just because of this nature of our species.
0: Well, cool. thank you for everything you're doing. I love the work. I love what you're sharing about and how you talk about it. And I'm, I'm so excited that these resources are there for people, for therapists and, and non-therapists to learn, you know, this new perspective. Yeah. Well, New 20 years perspective. I know.
1: Well, don't worry. Science always takes 20 years to get out there. So we're right on time. <laughs> 03 was the first human <laughs> study. It's 2023. We're doing great. <laughs> we're doing... We're, there you go. We're, we're right, we're, right, on, right track. on track. And I just want to tell you thank you for the resource that you're putting into the world. And I can't even tell you. I'm so grateful for you to have me on and share
0: this thank with you. people. Thank you. Jules, I got to ask yeah, yeah. you one more question. Your podcast. Oh, yeah. It's called Why Does My that Partner? Is and it's with Rebecca Wong. And Mickey is Asa. there a separate okay.
1: website for that? Yeah, it's whydoesmypartner.com. And we answer questions. So in general, we're, we're all couple therapists. And in general, what we hear most is, why does my partner do this thing that drives me crazy? That's what they come in with. And so we take calls from our audience. And we take one question an episode.
0: And we answer why does my partner or why doesn't my partner? That's wonderful. And and who's your third co-host? I didn't. Oh I no, totally. Forgot. I've I've haven't listened yeah, yeah. yet, so I forgot that there was more than the two of you and Rebecca. Oh uh, yeah, no problem. Vicki Asa, she's out of Boston. Vicki Asa. E A S A. Well, I want to give her. E A S A. Okay. Great. Good. Yeah. Well, I'll link to that too. Oh, great! Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being my guest. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you to traumatherapistnetwork.com for sponsoring this week's episode. Therapists, Trauma Therapist Network membership is reopening March 6th and the waiting list gets early access and discounted pricing. So join the waiting list now by going to go traumatherapistnetwork.com slash join. There's a link in the show notes. Can't wait to see you in the membership. There's new membership levels. We have options for group practice owners and Canadian therapists to join as well. So if you've been wanting to become a member of Trauma Therapist Network, this is the time. Go join the waiting list now and we'll see you when membership opens March 6th. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached to see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code chat or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan,
1: LCSWC. For more information,
0: Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code chat at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar.